If you're happy and you know it. How did I know you were going to do that? (laughs) We are conditioned. Actually, I tested that with a few people this morning. I walked up to them and just said, if you're happy and you know it, and they right away clapped their hands. So, so. The reason I did that is because I didn't hear anything from Marty Spilkes. He didn't talk to me this week. So, <laughs> so I don't know. But I am looking into buttons. I talked to Judy Gavin about finding our button machine. We cannot find it. So, so just hold on. Hold on. Pretend, pretend you're sitting back there. <laughs> okay, so... We're looking at, I, I think it'd be very cool to have these buttons that said, I heart Marty Spilches. And someone's going to say, who is Marty Spilches? And then you get a chance to talk to him about, your, this is a crazy character your pastor has in his mind. Okay, and you get a chance, to, it's a bridge to start witnessing. Or how about Marty Spilches for president? How about that one? Could be, we'll see, we'll see what we'll, we'll, see what we'll do. Okay, if we even do it. So did you, did you hear that the prophecy was pursue God above everything else? Now let me tell you a problem that I have. I have a problem. See, sometimes I get so hyped over my messages, I want to talk to anybody that comes near my office about the message. And, I'll, and, and Judy Gavin's there, and, and I'll say, Judy, I'm going to tell you, i got a great message. She says, don't talk to me about your message. She doesn't want to hear about my message. She won't let me talk to her about my message, okay? And uh, she's so mean to me that way. <laughs> because, because she doesn't want it affecting her, the prophetic gift that she has, okay? But today was a pursue God above everything else. Very simple message. You know, the devil knows scripture. We know this. The devil knows what's written in the Bible. The devil knows about the events that have to take place before the birth of Jesus. The devil knows that Jesus would have to be born of a certain lineage, in a certain place, and at a certain time. The devil knows all this. So so through history, he's done things to... Try to hinder the coming of Christ. Just like today, he knows that Christ is coming back. He knows he, uh, he knows that he knows that he's yeah that Christ is coming back. He knows that he had a good night's sleep last night. I'm not used to handling my, my mind that way. Yeah, I can think clearly. He he knows he knows that prophetic um, things are happening. To, to, bring in, to bring in Jesus Christ. And he's trying his hardest to, to stop what's going to happen so he can keep as many people in his kingdom as possible. Keep the people, keep the people who Jesus died for out of the kingdom of God. And many things are prophetic. I want to talk to you today about something prophetic that you'd never thought about as prophetic. But I see it as totally prophetic. And it's about an incident that happened. It's, you're not going to find it in the 
in the Old Testament. And you're not going to find, you're only going to find it once in the New Testament, but most people pass over it because they don't understand what it really means. But it's something that has great significance over us today in 2015. It's something that happened, that took place between the Old Testament and the New Testament. About 500 years passed between those two covenants. Picture this. About 165 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, the nation of Israel was under domination of the Syrian Greek Empire. And at that time, the emperor of the Syrian Greeks was Antiochus IV. Knowing that... Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for this message. Lord, I pray that this would uh, be encouraging and that we would take the right steps after hearing this message. Thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me continue with the story. So like other nations they controlled, Antiochus wanted the Jewish people to abandon their faith and to worship the gods of the Assyrian Greeks. So why is that? To unify all Israel with the other nations that were conquered, and to be under one law, to be under the laws of Antiochus, and to worship his gods. And to promote the assimilation of those conquered Jewish people, Antiochus took control of their temple, and place an image of his god, his main god, Zeus, in their temple. Then, to totally desecrate their temple, he had pigs sacrificed on their sacred altar. And this was all done to assimilate the Jewish people, and that the Jewish people would abandon their god. Well, most of the Jewish people reluctantly submitted to Antiochus, except for... Mattathias, who was one of the high priests and his five sons, plus a small following of fighting men who became known as the Maccabees. After three years of a brutal war, and it was a brutal type war, but it wasn't a normal type war um, that the, that the uh, Syrian Greeks were used to, to fighting. It was more of what we would call a guerrilla type war, where you fight and then run because it was a small army against a big army. When the Jews um, finally defeated this large army, they returned to their temple and destroyed the image of Zeus, and they did the best they could to cleanse the altar, but they found only enough sacred oil for the menorah to light light up the, the temple for one day, and it would take approximately seven days to manufacture new oil that was to be sacred. Now, the miracle was that the one day of sacred oil kept burning for eight days. So to remember for all generations on the Jewish calendar, the 25th of Kislev, the Feast of Dedication, known as the Feast of Hanukkah. See, dedication means Hanukkah. It was established as a commemorative holiday, not a holy sacred holiday, but it's a commemorative holiday, 
to remember three things. Number one, victory. God gave the Maccabees victory over those who were trying to assimilate them. And it was definitely a God thing because it, it was not a big army. It was small. And the, and the Assyrian Greeks were the most powerful in the world at the time. Number two, to commemorate a miracle that God gave them sacred oil. Uh, rather, not God gave them, but God allowed that sacred oil to burn for eight days. And number three, dedication. The temple was cleansed and then dedicated. Actually, it was rededicated because the first time it was dedicated, second time it would be called a rededication to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, it's interesting. It's interesting that today, um, all Jewish people, from the ultra-Orthodox to the Orthodox to the Conservative to the Reform to the Messianic to the Progressive to even secular Jews, they all celebrate Hanukkah. But we cannot all agree in English how to spell the name Hanukkah. We can't figure this out. Now, in, the Hebrew, in, in Hebrew, it's, it's spelled one way. But in English... Take your pick. However you want to spell it, it's up to you. So, so the question is, Frank, do you, think, do you think Jesus really celebrated Hanukkah? Some people say yes. Here's what I think. And what I think comes from John 10, 22. This is the only place in the Bible where you find the word Hanukkah. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. It was, he was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade at the time of Hanukkah. Now, Hanukkah has always been a holiday that was to be celebrated in the home. Well, Frank, you think Jesus recognized the holiday of Hanukkah? The truth is, I don't know nor do any of us really know. But I know for certain that the writer of this epistle, the Apostle John, he did recognize it because he said it was the time of Hanukkah. Now think about this. A year after the temple was rededicated, the Jewish sages established Hanukkah as a commemorative holiday. And according to church historians... Christmas was not celebrated as a holiday as a holiday until the third century BC, which means for the first two hundred plus years of the body of Christ, Messianic Jews and born again Gentiles probably celebrated Hanukkah together. And after all. If it wasn't for Hanukkah, I'm telling you, there would be no Christmas. And I preached on this years ago because certain prophecies had to be fulfilled for the birth of Christ to be fulfilled. If if the Jewish people were already assimilated, even the town of Bethlehem may have been the name may have been changed to some other name. 
So if it wasn't for what took place at Hanukkah, we would not have a Christmas today. Do you understand that? No? Yeah, okay, good. Concerning the commemorative holiday of Christmas, and by the way, Christmas is a commemorative holiday. You do understand that. It is not a high holy day. That the, who named it high and holy? Okay. Um, it's not. It's a commemorative. It's a good commemorative holiday. And many people ask Frank, because, um, you know, I, I have another congregation, Beth Messiah, and they say, do you celebrate Christmas? Certainly I celebrate Christmas. Maybe not like, quite like some of you do, but we celebrate Christmas. It's a wonderful commemorative holiday. And I get these people coming into Beth Messiah someday, and they'll, they'll say, oh, the Christmas tree and this and that. And I say, quit, knock it, knock that off. We got a Christmas tree, too. Knock it off. My wife calls it a Christmas tree. I call it my Hanukkah bush. What's the difference? <laughs> we commemorate. Who worships the tree? Did anybody here worship a tree? I don't think so. So for 300 years before the body of, um, years, the first 300 years of the body of Christ, Christmas was not really um, an emphasis. In fact, the day on which a believer died and went to heaven was considered much more significant than his or her birthday. You know, even today, um, Jewish people, we don't celebrate, we, we light, uh, they light a candle and say, uh, Yisker, a type of a prayer, on the day their parents died. It's traditional they light a candle and just remember. But the birth date, they don't, they don't celebrate that stuff. Did you know there is no biblical or even Talmudic uh, suggestions of giving gifts on Hanukkah? And so I, I, where do gifts on Hanukkah come from? Well, it's believed that giving gifts on Hanukkah began in Europe in response to the Christian neighbors getting gifts under their Christmas tree. And so can you imagine this? So there's, they're celebrating Hanukkah, no gifts. All of a sudden, these, their Christian neighbors, they're getting all these wonderful little, little gifts. And so, so the Jewish people says, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll give gifts too. And uh, we'll even give more gifts because there's eight days. So we'll give a gift for each day. You know, you ever hear me tell you a story? Now, if you may not realize this, I, I am a, a Jewish guy who knows Jesus. Okay, I did not grow up in the church. You do realize that. By the way, somebody gave me an article about some church that's starting in our area that's supposed to be diversified. Can you think of a more diversified group than us? <laughs> Jew and Gentile, I mean, black and white, led by a Jew. Like, this, is a, this is really a crazy situation. But you've heard me talk about when I was a kid, my mom and dad, my mom and dad had this great big, my dad built this big star, wrapped it in aluminum foil, put Christmas, you heard me talking about this before. Jackie has got some pictures of this. So this is, this is the star that my dad built when I was a little boy. And uh, I remember the star, oh, being so big. But really, I was so little. And they would put all these packages, you know, and, Funny story about these packages is I, you know, I hate surprises with a passion. I've always hated surprises. 
So I always see the packages, and I'd see my name. My mom would put the name Frank on there, so I knew it was mine. And so I would take a razor blade, just take a little bitty, little slit, open it up. Oh, what's what I got? Okay, and I would tape it shut. Well, I told the story. Mom and Dad, before they went on to be with the Lord, uh, they, were in our, they were in church, um, and, and I relayed that story, and my mom says, we knew you always did that. They just never made a big deal of it. They knew I was sneaking peeks. So that was the start. Next one. There's my mom, my mother, and she's putting, she's putting packages or doing something. She's probably checking out the scotch tape that I was <laughs> for me peeking. And then, and then, and then next picture. Now, that's, that's not Aaron, my grandson. That's me. I'm a little boy. And uh, I was lighting the Hanukkah candles, okay? Evidently, it was the last day of Hanukkah. So, so the question is, Frank, why did it become a custom for Christians to give Christmas gifts? I know why Jews give gifts now, because of the Christians, but why do the Christians give gifts? After all, it's not your birthday. So why are we giving gifts to each other? Think about this. Well, some say that St. Nicholas became an example of of gift-giving. Some say the the Romans had a December festival called uh, Saturnella, sounds like a candle, (laughs) where gifts were given, and that tradition simply was adopted by Christians. Some say we give gifts because the three wise men brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to baby Jesus. The bottom line is, the body of Christ just does not know why we give gifts. Okay? But stores like Kohl's, Macy's, uh, Target, Walmart, they promote this big time. Ready to turn the boat a little bit now? Okay, we're turning the boat. Now we're going to turn it a little more than usual. But it's, it's, we're still in the same path. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Yeah, there's a, let me just share something with you. Um, if you have a tattoo, it's up to you. I don't care. But as far as me, you know, and I've, I've told my kids, don't you get a tattoo. It's my body. It's not your body. It's not your body. You belong to God. Look what the scripture says. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So your body belongs to Jesus. Okay? And uh, I have not pray about it. But I say, I ask you not to do it. Okay? Now, when I die, you can have all kinds of tattoos you want. I don't care. I don't care. And so, that's just one of my little things. But, but we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4, 13. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. This is proof. 
2 Corinthians 6.16 out of the Amplified Bible says, What agreement can there be between a temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in and with and among them, and they will walk in and with and among them. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. So when somebody, whether Jew or Gentile or whoever they are, whatever their background is, they realize they have a need to be forgiven from their sins, they both get saved the exact same way. We get saved. We get saved. What does it mean to be saved? We're saved from hell. We're saved from the punishment that we deserve. We're saved because we've been forgiven. We're saved so we can go to heaven. In Romans 10, verse 9, it's very clear how to get saved. You don't have to do 30 Hail Marys. You don't have to you don't have to run around the block 12 times. You don't have to give a certain amount of money. The Bible says in Romans 10:9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. That we're justified. A cute little definition of what it means to be justified is just as if I'd never sinned. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scriptures say, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, God knows what's on your heart. And he, he, he knows whether you really believe this or not, or you just mouth it off words. He knows. Now when Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the believers of Thessalonica on a second missionary journey, he wrote, to rem- he wrote to remind them of their dedication or their consecration to God. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, For God has not called us to impurity, but to consecration, to dedicate ourselves to the most uh, to the most through purity. Now, the Living Bible translates it this way, and I like this. For God has not called us to be dirty-minded and full of lust, but to be holy and clean. Then he goes on to say, if anyone refuses to live by these rules, he is not, he is not disobeying the rules of men, but of God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So here's the problem. There's a problem here. When we first give our lives to Jesus Christ, we try to dedicate our lives to him best we can. It's a, de- it's a dedication. It's a Hanukkah. And because of that, because we, we dedicate our lives to him, we do certain things as part as, as that walk out our dedication. We make an effort to pray often. 
We make the effort to learn the scriptures. We make the effort to attend weekly services as much as possible. We make the effort to hang out with other believers. We make a conscious effort to conduct our, our, our lives in a, uh, a Christ-like, or Messiah-like way. We're conscious of these things. But time passes. Time passes. And what happens is, the dedication, the dedication that we once had, it kind of like dissipates a little bit. And maybe you gave in to some craziness of trying to do those things to fit in with those who are not believers. Okay? And so, because of the company you're hanging out with, you're doing things now you know aren't something that someone following Christ should be doing. Maybe you got hooked up with the wrong crowd. Bible says bad company corrupts good character. My, my wife says, you can't sleep, you can't, you can't ex- sleep with the dogs and expect not to catch the fleas. Maybe the flame you once had for God was put out or nearly put out because you stopped doing those things, you know, that God wants you to do. You just stopped doing them. Maybe the flame you once had for God was put out or nearly put out because you began doing those things you know God does not want you to do. So you don't do those things or you're doing those things that God doesn't want you to do. And so our our dedication is not there. This is the season of Hanukkah. This is the message to the body of Christ. This is the season of dedication or rededication. Can you see it? This is what the season's all about. And so the people of churches, in the churches they say, they know, oh, the Jewish people are celebrating their Hanukkah, we're going to celebrate Christmas. Okay, that's okay. But they don't understand that the Jewish people, they're actually crying out a prophetic message. That this is the season of of dedication or rededication. All scripture is given by God. It has profit. So the festival of of Hanukkah is the festival of dedication or rededication. And to conclude this message, I want you to focus on your dedication. Your dedication to the Lord Jesus. Your dedication. I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever truly dedicated your life to God Almighty? If you feel you need to rededicate your life to God, I can't think of a better time to rededicate your life to God during this season 
of dedication, or really it's rededication. This is a time to turn up the intensity again. You know if the flame's going out a little bit. You know. See, the flame should always get hotter and hotter and hotter. Should never get cooler and cooler. And that intensity must be there. The prophetic word was, Pursue God above everything else. Let me tell you, if you don't have a dedication, you're not going to pursue God above everything else because everything else will take from you pursuing God. Let's all stand together, please. Let's just hold steady. And you think, just for a few moments, of your dedication to the Lord Jesus. How do you stand before him? How does he see your dedication? There might be someone here who has never really dedicated their lives to Jesus Christ. I can't think of a better time to get right with God and to dedicate your life to him. He's the one that translates you into the kingdom of God, writes your ticket for heaven, and then comes and lives within you so you can become a temple of the Holy Spirit. That only happens when you're born again. So if you're not sure that you're born again, you're not sure of your dedication, that you've ever really dedicated your life to Christ, uh, don't be ashamed, but just raise your hand. I won't, I won't embarrass you, but I'll pray for you. Anybody at all? Okay. Our, our elders will be up in front after the after the meeting, and you can you can pray with one of them. We'll show you how to get dedicated to God. Then there are those who have, you know, your dedication level has lessened. It's gone from hot to cool. You know what you need to do. You need to repent, refocus, and purpose yourself to do those things you have to do, like prayer, 
scripture reading, attending services, hanging out with the right people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that you that you offer us. And the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin if we choose to walk in the light. God, many many of us here are going to rededicate their lives to you in this time of dedication, in this time of Hanukkah. God, I pray that you forgive them, that you forgive them for growing cold in their walk with you. And Lord, that they would be rejuvenated. That the intensity would return as they do the things they need to do. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in your heart as you walk a life of dedication to the Lord and by the power of the Holy Spirit who resides within you. In Jesus' name, amen.